Hey guys, welcome back to the Phil Cross Survival Podcast. I'm your host, Mike, and today I don't have a co-host, but I have a guest. So Jay Sylvester is uh, my guest today. Hey guys. Hey, so Jay, we met uh, months ago, man. It's been a while, right? Yeah, uh, Vegas, uh, Las Vegas Gunfighter Pistol. So yeah, I'm, I met Jay uh, in Vegas with Kurt. We actually did a Gunfighter Pistol course in Vegas, which is, actually was our first pistol course. We actually worked with a helicopter company in Vegas and decided to do a tactical uh, course and, dis- and met up with Jay. And actually, I remember Jay distinctly because he was the most competent shooter there. And I actually thought you were an embed. I thought you were like a tactical instructor embed, which is like somebody who goes to another course to steal all their information to go back to their company yes. and make it better. Total, total win. Total yeah. boost of confidence right there. <laughs> yeah. So I, you know, I saw you. I'm like, dude, this, that dude's pretty competent. Uh, I wonder what he works for. And we flushed out. And you actually are a firefighter paramedic? I am. I am. I'm a captain paramedic. Uh, What's that mean, captain? You said that today, I remember. Yeah, so... Um, it just means that I've got a little bit more time in the field. I'm a young guy, but I've, I've been in the business for 13 years, uh, worked through the ranks, and I'm currently in charge of an engine company. So we've got six engines running on a daily basis. I'm in charge of one. So that's pretty cool. So you're you're a firefighter that's also medically trained to deal with trauma. I, I am, yeah. So that's not always the, uh, the case. Uh, you, you can be uh, EMT qualified, which is a more of a basic level of medical care. Uh, but I did go through paramedic school uh, over 12 years ago now, and so I, I share dual roles. I'm a I'm a firefighter and a paramedic in the same role um, f- back home in, in my community. That's really cool, man. I, I like, you know, we train a lot of uh, medics that are in uh, the space of EMT, paramedic, and then t- we tack med, which is maybe a, a paramedic firefighter that's attached to a SWAT team or something like that. And how did you tell me, give me some background on where you got your start from. Like where, where did you get into that field of expertise in the first place? And then where, where do you work at? Okay. Yeah. So I, I work for uh, Lake Havasu fire, uh, uh, about three hours, uh, from Phoenix. My background, actually I was, I was going to go into the military. I come from a military family. Dad was an army captain. Uh, I was going to follow in his, in his steps. And then last minute had some, had some shifts found the fire service and decided to pursue that instead wanted to want to stay wanted to stay stateside and work the domestic protection uh which was which is more of a fit for me as far as that time in my life uh staying stateside was was a little bit of a better fit okay yeah that's that's totally normal and uh, first responders that you know train with us all the time they have their you know their own stories of how how they got into it but why, why the passion into uh, the medical field? Is that something that you wanted to do? I know some firefighters, is it, I don't know this, I'm just kind of speculating. Do some firefighters just fight fires and then there's medical firefighters or is it all in the same? Now it's, it's uh, the, the times have shifted. Back in, back in the more traditional days, there were just firefighters, your, ambul- your, uh, your paramedics and EMTs came on a different unit, like an ambulance or something like that. But really, if you look around the country, the need to be able to provide dual roles in your community is becoming more and more prevalent. As a matter of fact, you're you're working towards being a little bit more obsolete if you're only if, if you're only tasked with one one goal or have one ability. Nice. I think I think that's really cool. I think you know your dual hat. Obviously, you show up on the scene Absolutely. of an accident, fighting a fire. Potentially, you might show up and you might be in an instance where um, 
you have to treat obviously somebody who's injured because fire and injury obviously can go hand in hand. Absolutely. And we're on an island too. So we're not, I'm not in a big metropolitan area with a ton of support from other agencies or departments. So we really have to cover a pretty big area of not only desert and lake, uh, but also our community as well. Yeah. You know, the reason I started talking to Jay is because uh, Jay attended to w one of our courses in Phoenix and it was the uh, gunfighter carving course. And, you know, Jay stood out to me. I recognized him immediately and he stood out to me and Kurt um, during the, the pistol course. But I found out that Jay, um, you know, started his own company, started your own uh, company to do performance related tactical training but also medical stuff, right? Yeah, um, not so much towards the tactical side. I don't, I don't come from the, from the background like Mike and Kurt do. And, and so I'm not gonna teach what isn't my background. Where, where I really started finding my roots and my ability and skills came from my teaching background and then my ability to shoot. So I teach shooting mechanics and that can be applied to whatever realm that you want to apply that to. We're working with different customers and clients with different backgrounds, and that's really where the shooting diversity comes in. The heart of it, though, is that trauma and medical side training because we just aren't offering that to our civilian sector as much as we are. It's really, you gotta go into the medical field to get that deep medical training. Yeah, we, we've seen that same thing with Philcraft where you identify a need and you wanna educate people and, and something that isn't really prevalent in any kind of space is medical training period because it's not cool it's not sexy it's not like you know you could post a video of you putting on a tourniquet and make it cool we, we've done that before but it's just it doesn't it doesn't uh drive the analytics like tactical training does absolutely but you know we had this discussion over dinner it's one of if not the most important skill set technical skill set that you're going to need to deal with that you could face the most often in life because the odds of you coming across an accident uh, outside of your family, being involved in an accident yourself or with your family um, is really realistic and really common. It is. It is, especially for, for, for how our society and how our country operates. If you're like you're, you and Kurt running and gunning and that's your profession, then you are going to put a high emphasis to your weapons uh, training and, and ability. But really, the statistics and the odds of you coming across and getting in a gunfight as a, as a civilian is incredibly rare. However, your medical skills, just by the numbers and the, and the statistics alone, are way, way more off the charts for that to be something more prevalent that you have. Yeah, to absolutely. Do. I think that's a, that's a really good point that it's just statistically a higher probability. And I know one thing we talked about is PTSD and we, you know, uh, we talked about, you know, the avocation, your own, the own things that you're dealing with, you know, in the realm of PTSD. And that's something that me and Kurt, you know, we're advocates for it, obviously, because we're passionate about helping people like first responders. Well, it, really, anybody exposed to trauma deal with the issues because we've experienced ourselves. The reality is, you know, you know, I, we've obviously been to war a lot and, you know, killing people, seeing innocent people killed. Um, there's a segment of a population who've experienced that, but the reality is we knew what we were getting ourselves into. So the, the more prevalent issue that we've been confronted with is transitional issues of us transitioning into civilian life. And I make the analogy of, Hey, like, it's like taking a working dog, you know, a dog that is used to biting people for a living. And then you put them back into normal society. It's a hard transition because that's what they're trained to do. When we talked about PTSD, uh, you know, as it relates to first responders, it's completely different because people don't understand when veterans who are former military guys and gals who go to war, there's an expectation. And I had an expectation going in, um, whether it's in 
you know, an aptitude, a life experience or whatever it may be that set me up to have the appropriate coping mechanisms to deal with that kind of trauma where it, it didn't really cause an issue for me I, th- that I saw transitionally huge issue. But now that's at war. Now you look at a first responder like yourself, um, you know, law enforcement who are exposed to trauma in some form or fashion in a different way every single day, potentially, you know, departments aren't created equal, obviously, but uh, if you work in a, a department in a major area uh, where people are va- people are active, you're going to see some sad, sad stuff. Absolutely, and and traumas traumas equal how we perceive it and where it's sourced from. That that can be different, and how we how we interpret it and deal with it is also different. But trauma is trauma. The 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 firefighter from the busy house who runs a call on on uh, a pediatric death is no different, is effect, can be affected no different than the rural firefighter who doesn't get a lot of calls. It's the same feeling. It doesn't change because we're in a more highly dense populated area versus a more rural area. So it's, it's created equal at that point. What, what do you think, I mean, from your own experiences, I know we talked about it, about uh, how you were having a difficult time. You know, number one, you know, thank you for your service and what you, what you do and what your brothers and sisters do because you guys don't get enough credit because you deal with it on a daily basis in the shadows of the alleyways and dark places in our society. And, um, you know, what do you, what do you think has led you to the point to where you were dealing with difficulties? Is it an, a lack of an outlet? Is it the institution? I mean, what, what were some of the things that you saw in yourself that led you to that point to where, you know, we had discussed it, where you were in a bad place? Yeah. So two key things, and I, I'm going to, I'm going to go off the word that you just said, cause that really is, is, is a heart of so much, the shadow of it. And the shadow can come in two different ways. One is whether you're, you're military law enforcement or public safety, fire, EMS, everybody kind of gives you that credit. They, they understand that your job is hard. So they kind of give you that that, that, benefit of the that doubt. yeah, that benefit yeah. of the doubt in that respect. So kind of it's it's like the way that we've said, all right, we understand it's tough, but it's what you do. And so there's one overshadow from the human connection point. The other overshadow is the the mentality and the culture. And the culture is probably the other key word with shadow. And whether you're military or fire, there's a mentality that we're going to be mission driven. We're gonna we're gonna get the job done. We're gonna, we're gonna handle this issue and then we're gonna move on. And talking about it there's really no place for that because the mission's more important right. than the yeah or or the culture that you're around won't tolerate that it's uncomfortable for people we've we've worked off of this alpha mentality in any of these professions we need that there's a fine line where our confidence falls off versus where we start to have those emotional struggles and a lot of people don't like to address that line that is where you start to blur and feel the things that 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 you and I have both experienced at one point or another what, what do you think? Like, give me examples of some things that you're exposed to. I mean, what, what are some, if you had to name two of the significant impacts that affected your life, what would they be? So are you talking like with, with, with the literal job? experience? With, so with the job, the, the most difficult things, and we were talking about this a little bit earlier, not, not every career set, not every, not every tour in the military is as high activity, high trauma yeah. as others. Yep. So th- not, not everybody goes through this, but sometimes you draw that unlucky card where You've got first it's one, then it's two. And then when you sit down and actually think about it, you have over a dozen, in my case, super high profile calls that involve children, uh, that involve uh, working the cardiac arrest on my own family member, which is, which is incredibly difficult to do to, to maintain your mission line and also try to treat and save your own family member. 
uh, treating the family members of other brothers in line has been a, a really heavy experience on me. That plus that happened to be a very small child. Um, those are the kind of things that equate to that whole concept when, when you hear the analogy of your bucket being over overfilled that's what we're talking about those kinds of events because typically we'll we'll have the event it'll sting but because of our mentality and our and the way that we've been developed as teams or as professions we kind of just drive on kind of rub some dirt on it and keep going but the problem is is if we don't process it and you don't address it all those things stay there and then they reach a critical mass point and sometimes that can come in my case i didn't even see it coming I wasn't even prepared for it. It just came like a tidal wave. And at that point, it's very hard to communicate because how do you explain to somebody that you all of a sudden have a life-shifting struggle? They've, you've been fine for all this time. And then all of a sudden, it's a little bit different today on a Wednesday that you're, you've changed, that it's different. Yeah, I, I think you know I could relate to that because I've dealt with my own struggles. When I got off active duty in uh, 2013, uh, I remember the first Christmas I spent outside of warfare because for a decade I had been deployed every Christmas pretty much in every uh, New Year's and every birthday that I'd celebrated prior and I actually spent the first Christmas New Year's and my birthday by myself in the floor of my apartment and it was a hard struggle because not only was it just the suppressed memories of trauma that I was left to manage um, in the in the stillness um, but it was also like the the missing of the camaraderie, the missing of um, the brotherhood that I belong to. And then being alone on top of that um, put, put me in a compromising position where um, I, I, like you, you know, like you had talked about openly with me that, you know, we thought that there was no other options, but, you know, to get rid of those feelings into in it. And, you know, that's a difficult thing to talk about, but it's important to discuss because the reality is people in that profession, and first responders and military, hell, and just civilians across the board deal with those struggles on a daily basis. And the, and like you said, when you take all that stuff and you suppress it because you're not dealing with it because you're mission focused, at some point you have to manage it. And it's not a day of your choosing, right? The reality is um, you don't have the, the time and place uh, and it's not to, you know, it's not up to you when that is going to happen. And it could be a Wednesday afternoon uh, when is all when all is quiet and all is still, that it, it, it surfaces, and so I think one thing that you that you said stood out to me is the fact that um, that we don't have a time and place to to choose when it's going to happen, but we also don't have a lot of opportunity to manage those processes and those dots, because one, it's part of the culture that we don't talk about it, and so who do you talk to it about, and so you reach out and you try to find some hope or some semblance of hope um, to address those feelings and those emotions with. When you were going through those issues, what are some ways that you, you combated those, those emotions and those feelings to get you through it? Uh, that's, a, that's a pretty deep question because that, this has been a, a super long process. How do you fix something that's been decades or years in the making? How do you fix that with a weekend getaway? And the answer is you don't. I think we both. I think anybody who's been through that kind of weight knows that. I, I think the, the 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 difficult thing when it comes to reaching out and, and and finding that help is is again it doesn't necessarily manifest not PTSD and trauma or even just personal struggle. Like let's take it down even that level, it doesn't manifest in crying in the shower in the corner, uh, the typical way. 
I've tried to explain this to some of my guys that I work with who think that they're immune to the concepts. I'm like, well, if you think that you are not dealing with those struggles in that way of what we do, when was the last time you had a little bit more of a frequent pattern of arguments with your, with your partner, with your, with your wife or your girlfriend? When was the last time maybe you and your kids didn't get along or you're a little bit more irritable? Those are the things that, that equate to PTSD, not just the freakouts. Yep. And so people need to understand it that. It doesn't have to be manic, right? Yeah, it could it, be it, yeah. a normal pattern of regular, yeah, regular behavior. Locked in bed on lithium is not the only definition to true PTSD as 100%. that term kind of comes with a stigma. And that's the thing. It also comes with that stigma. But people need to recognize that your patterning can be different. Not everybody's created equal. The brain's a complicated thing. Everyone's a unique individual. So it's going to be different. Trying to find the out there, it truly came down to and, – and, I got no problem talking about it now, Mike, before I definitely had some, some issues being able to speak openly about it. But it got to a point where when you're, when you're going around the grocery store and you've got dead kids of calls that you've ran on cruising with you or you can't sleep uh, because of those images that you're seeing, uh, we call that depersonalization, or at least that's what they call it in the, in the, in the world, much smarter than mine uh, in the therapist and psychology world. When you experience that, it gets to a point where you it, handling it doesn't become as easy as just going to talk to somebody, finding someone to go spend an hour with on the couch and, and sort it out, take a couple of pills. It becomes almost unmanageable. And, to, and for me, that led me to almost call it quits uh, because I didn't have the support system. You were talking about your background and your understanding of it and how your mind is, is, has, has developed coping mechanisms. That's totally true. But I think where I had my light turn on and I knocked off the tough guy mentality is when I saw a breakdown of the factors that can make you a, a percentage more vulnerable to PTSD. And I'm not talking like 2% more vulnerable. I'm talking like 20% at a time. And it was a list that included things like, uh, started, started their life at a, at a younger age, maybe away from their family. Didn't get to spend the full the full, you know, 18 into college kind of years, branched away a little early, uh, became highly successful and professional in their career very, very early, took over a team very, very early, uh, experienced a certain amount of traumatic events before a certain time of their life. Those are all factors. And when I looked at this list, I made like six out of the seven. And I realized right then and there that it wasn't a tough guy thing. So round about that to answer your question as far as what do you do I think understanding and being able to raise your hand is the first thing you got to do because if you don't you're just going to be rubbing stuff on top of the weight you're just going to be uh, I'm going to go I'm going to go get this habit and, and habits and, and coping can come in a lot of different ways and some healthy some not uh, be careful about the unhealthy ones I went down that road and I think you'll trick yourself into thinking you're feeling better but the only way that you truly will get better is to raise your hand and say man, I'm, I'm struggling and I need some help. And I did that. And when I did that, I was met with not, not certain my department cared about me for sure. There was no like disregard, but they didn't know what to do with it because not only had we not had somebody really come forward publicly, so to speak, but they also haven't had an officer come forward. That's a really big deal. I think probably in any paramilitary structure. And so when I came forward, Amazingly, what ended up happening was I, I got some support and we started changing some things in our department. We have a guy that runs our uh, critical incident stress management team. He started getting a lot of support. He's a tremendous guy, does great stuff for, for our brothers. But really what was amazing is some senior individuals came out with me and said, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with it too. And I get it. It's not just the crazy PTSD, create, I'm having a meltdown kind of things. They were having some, some other struggles in their life. And then they started to connect the dots. And at that point we started to gain some traction. That's, that's kind of where we, we get a little bit deeper on, on that.
Yeah, I think uh, what's amazing is, number one, I think that's absolutely courageous. That's To me, that is the definition of courage um, because, you know, for somebody – I've seen it happen before. In fact, I remember the stigma attached to special operations guys coming out um, and saying they had issues. And in the in the at the the speed of war in which you operate, um, going from training to combat operations to to the same cycle, coming out and saying you had an issue would shut you down, would end your career in special operations. And it was a huge stigma associated with it. But I remember thinking about the first people who came out and then getting educated on what they were going through, realizing that I too had suffered from some of those instances. And like you said, you know, I, you know, I agree wholeheartedly and have experienced the same thing that when you're looking at yourself internally to trauma, you don't always recognize the instances in which the, uh, the trauma is affecting you. you. In fact, you live your pattern of life and you justify the means. You Absolutely. justify everything you're going through as a bad day or a, a bad week or a, you know, a, a crappy leader. And, and you find the excuses to, to pinpoint. And I, transitioning out of the military, I'd, I'd went through the same issues where, and I, hell, I still go through them, where, you know, not necessarily a specific traumatic event, but the progression of a series of traumatic events that culminate and add up and stack on top of you and it creates this burden that you don't even realize you have that your behavior changes. Hell, even the fact that when, like you said, when you, you suppress that and you just go about your mission focus, you don't have time to deal with that. So when do you deal with it? You, you typically deal with it when it comes on its own. And so when that happens, you have no choice in the matter. And that could rise in an argument with your spouse that could arise in a deep sleep when you're dreaming about it and it could shift the entire day and then subsequently your entire life. And so I, I think number one, it's courageous that you're coming out and speaking about it openly in the first place, because, you know, when we started doing that, it, it was pioneering. It was like, Oh my God, special operations guys talking about PTSD and how they have it and how, uh, they've, they're associated with the thoughts and the processes, but just doing so in itself is a way to fix some of the problems or a way, like you said, to allow people to come out sure. fearless and to fix those issues. But can we call it a stigma? Like, right? Isn't that yeah. really what it is? There's a label to it. People yeah. don't quite understand it unless you've been there. Yeah. And even if you've been there, you maybe kind of got fed some, some, uh, conflicting information. It really is a stigma because here's the thing. We're not broken. As a matter of fact, a, a tremendous amount of people that I've, that I've met that have gone through this with me are some of the toughest individuals on the planet. We're not broken. We just need to process some things. And I really think everybody should get a chance to do that considering some of the things, your background, my background. I don't think it's unreasonable that we get a chance to process. And we might be out of, you know, in, in your case, you're, you're, you're off the team. In my case, I'm still active. Regardless of what your, your station is in life, you might think, okay, well, if I can, I, I retire in two years and it's been rough, but if I can make it to retirement, I'm safe. I think that's a really dangerous outlook in really any oh, endeavor yeah. because yep. here's what comes with the weight that we carry. You, it doesn't, it doesn't disperse. It stays with you. And, and if you think that it won't surface, just wait until that right trigger gets hit. And, and to share this with you real quick, this will, this will really kind of, I think, open it up. I had a chance to work with some super amazing, uh, doctors, uh, and therapists here in the Phoenix area. And I was working with one. And when we started breaking down a particular call, 
that really bothered me. It turns out that the trauma obviously was is a big factor, but when we were when we truly broke it down at a super super detail level, I learned that because of the way our brains start shunting all of its other focus, we collect things in these moments, these high stress moments, and it might be tactile things, auditory things, uh, olfactory senses. These are all things that we now call triggers. And I didn't even realize that the reason why I kept reliving this call wasn't because I was going on trauma every day. It was because I can recall going to this eight-year-old burning in a car. I had shunted so many of my senses to focus on the call that the one sense that stayed in there like a, like a stuck card, like a stuck CD, was the smell of the, of the mic that we wear in our headsets. Um, it was amazing to break it down to that level to realize that was my trigger. That's why I kept reliving that call on a daily level at work. And that is the processing that we need. We don't need pills. We don't need crazy shrink sessions. We just need a chance to process what we're going through so that we can be healthier people like the strong people that we already are. That's why we were in the business in the first place. I think that's a really good perspective on it, man. I think... You know, it's it's fascinating to me to just even think about that. I, I think the fact that we're able to even communicate about it, the fact that you said like the you know olfactory you know s- senses of smell and then how you perceive things can can take you right back to that moment to relive it outside of your control. But understanding that cause and effect in the first place is a first step in understanding how to counter that behavior because it could send you down a road of you know, a thought process that might lead you astray, but just understand that first place is a way to cope and deal with that. And you know, the the fascinating thing about it is, you know, I used to be in denial about it. Like, oh, I don't have PTSD. And then I talked to a lot of good psychologists who, you know, communicated to me and made me understand because I was very interested in it about how the way stress period affects uh, your psychology and, and the way you think and the way you behave. And What I realized is it doesn't have to be a specific traumatic event that sticks in your mind. It could be a series of, it could be vigilance. It could be the fact that you know somebody out there is is a bad guy. And because of that, you you yourself are going through hypervigilance. That in itself was like, oh, well, no, that's just me being aware. And so, again, being part of the culture, like when you're around like-minded people who are in a specific career field, like special operations, like, you know, first responding, you, you get immersed in the culture, but then you get out of that and you go home and you go, well, everybody sucks because everybody's not like me. When the reality is no, everybody's not like you. And the, the reality is there is a normalcy in society that doesn't think the way you think that's okay. But what's not okay is the behavior patterns you start developing by coping with those things. Like, you know, hypervigilance was a big thing for me and I, I completely thought it was normal. In a way, I still do because uh, I try to justify the the means where I'm like, hey, if I'm sitting in a specific room, if I don't like crowded areas, that's my prerogative. But the reality is it's because of the stress that I was exposed to. It's because of the career field I chose. And so what, what I like about the fact uh, that you speak openly about it, but you lay it out eloquently is the fact that you're not making any excuses. In fact, there's nobody I know, the, the most uh, professional, best operators in the world in special operations that I work with are some of the most uh, intelligent, but also open communicators about the fact that they sure. experienced the trauma. 
And so I, I don't look at it as a bad thing. I look at it always as a good thing. And I don't think anybody's immune to it. I, in fact, the people who say they're immune to it, I, it's been a pattern where those people are the most in need of help sure. at some point. Either they're dealing with it, they don't realize it, and they just need the education. What's a start point uh, for us making it? Number one is creating a new culture, right, where everybody's uh, uh, comfortable with coming out and communicating about it openly. Uh, what's the first? What's the start point to, to fixing this? So, from a from a generality, and then and then to a specific for mine. Here's your generality: is when you look out in the world, and this is this is just for everybody, regardless if you're uh, a high speed dude or you work at a grocery store. Look at the world and, and look at the people in it, and understand that they may be fighting something that you don't even know. Uh, sometimes we we overshadow that, especially with the segregation that we have in in today's society with all of our tech and the other things that drive us apart. Be a little bit more com- daily compassionate, and I know that that's not a tough guy word to use, but compassion is truly where strength can be sourced, especially when you've gone through trauma. You understand the need to support other people. So I would say start there because everybody could use a dose of that. When it comes to being your individual person, it can be really overwhelming. I speak from experience. I didn't know how to find help because the process seems so overwhelming. I got a lot of responses like we were talking about. Well, just go talk to somebody. Hey, go, hey, I'm on this med. It works really good. It's totally helping me. None of which I wanted to do in the capacity that we discussed. Now, at a certain point, chatting with somebody, whether it's a fellow brother or a teammate or a professional, um, having having had the chance to work with some true professionals, they are money. They are so good for us because they understand things that we haven't yet come around and we need a little bit of help. There's nothing wrong with saying that. On the daily action part, if, if, it, if that's too overwhelming, and, and, and I, I gave this advice to the guy who runs our, our stress management team back home, which is, a peer, which is a peer-to-peer support program. We learn to take care of each other so that we're not constantly calling therapists in the middle of the night. We, it's, a, it's a peer support. We know how to break it down inside of our kitchen in the station or whether we need to take someone out for a beer. And I said, hey, you know, when a guy's going through something, he's not going to tell you he needs help. That's not the culture we were brought up in. So maybe just giving him a ride to a session is a great first step. Supporting somebody in a non-threatening way where they feel like they're losing that edge because nobody wants to feel like they're slipping on a mountain that's already slipping. So supporting somebody through the process and letting them know they're okay, and, and I, I, I mean that by literal words, tell somebody you're okay, we got you. I, I can tell you someone told me that and I felt like you took three tons off my back and, and nothing happened, nothing changed. I simply just had a little bit of support. Working it to that point takes is going to take some work on your part. And going through depression and anxiety and all the other byproducts of what trauma can bring, let me tell you to, to start small. And if, and if staying asleep and sleeping it off and thinking that's kind of where life has you right now, defeat the alarm clock. Start there. You know what I mean? And even if you're not waking it up and going and killing it with some crazy workout or shooting routine, just wake up. Wake up early. Get on a schedule. Stay structured. Make that your first action. And then, as you take that small first step, slowly you will start to gain that traction. You'll start to gain that momentum. And, and for us, Mike, the, the reason why we ended up colliding in our past was because when I realized a while back that I was going through all this, I wanted to take control. I didn't want to be the victim. And that, I knew that meant I needed to work. And I, I, w- I went and got professional help. I understood what I was dealing with, but I didn't want to go through it in the traditional lines of in an eight to five office building. So I pursued 
two things that I knew that I could give my heart and energy and true dedication to. And so for me, I started martial arts, which replaced my, my yoga practice, which was a super big thing for me personally as far as that finding that center. So I, I, I started a, a very intensive martial arts training program, and I also started shooting, but not in just the recreational range way. I started self-training myself uh, to become a stronger shooter with the, with the mindset of a strong shooter, not just someone who owns guns and shoots guns. That led to me finding the training to enhance my skills, and that's ultimately where we collided. I gave your guys' course a try, and, and in that course, my energy of my life completely shifted. Um, from from what you guys offer, from your background, how you talk to your students, for those who have felt the weight, we connect with that. That's something that, that somebody can connect with. And at that point, it was a pivotal point for me. I had already gained a little bit of momentum in my life. I was doing better at work. Um, I had my company back to me. Um, when I went to your guys' course, I was able to put down, like we talked about in the beginning of the show, the skills that I had worked so hard to, to, to gain and to perform. And ultimately, I got to display that in a training course. And it, it won me and earned me a Phil Craft survival coin, the challenge coin. That right there, that moment, uh, I actually have a, as silly as this is, it's the screen, it's the home screen on my phone to help keep me motivated. It's my hands all covered in carbon with the coin that you gave me. Uh, as silly as that, that probably sounds really silly. Does it sound silly at all? <laughs> I think that's that's pivotal. I think it's important. Um, it, it was. It was. That's the word. It's pivotal. It changed everything. And from there, that's where Axis Performance was born. That's where the business took on not just a business like a, you want to make money. I'm certainly not making any money uh, right now. I'm doing it because I'm passionate about shooting and I'm passionate about helping people develop the deeper mindset. And my background is is trauma management and pre-hospital emergency care. I've been doing it for a while. I have a good grasp on it. And that is what I want to bring to people because we really don't have somebody handling that. We've got some first aid classes and we have some some other things like that. But now that I'm on with Homeland Security teaching their campaign in our, in our community with the Stop the Bleed stuff, I'm taking that one step further to work with our people on their skills when it comes to, to trauma management because, as we discussed, not only is it where the statistics are that you'll have to get active, but everything that we just talked about, that trauma, one of the worst things that you can have, you can dovetail onto trauma is not is knowing that you could have maybe done better. And so if we can increase our skills there, then that's what I'm trying to support for anybody that I have that contact with. So I, the that is sort of my personal answer to what actions can you take. And like I said, there's those couple generalities. There's a few things that you're going to have to do to get on board and, and get yourself moving. Uh, find some support. I, I got to say that's probably really huge. I, I should have led with that because you've gotten in that hole potentially by being by yourself. You've gone through a ton of stuff. You've had the sleepless nights. You've, you've been on that journey alone. Let's, let's, let's get off that path. Let's, let's go get on a path with some people. Go surround yourself with the right people. And in my case, it was you guys when I, when I, when I ran into you in your course. Well, man, that's, that's number one, uh, you know, I almost get choked up just thinking about it because I remember those, that instance. And I remember actually talking to Kurt about you before when we left and, um, thinking about, you know, how you operated and how you conducted yourself, but also the fact that uh, you were somebody who had passion. And I think that empathy, that passion that transcends itself into, uh, you know, what you're doing right now, which is a business to help other people is the same, you know, the same foundations that we believe in and that we associate ourselves with. And I think uh, I'm truly excited to, to be doing um, whatever we're doing after this. I mean, we haven't even figured it out, but I already know it's going to be great because, the reality is uh, it's going to help people. It's going to help 
uh, you know, make that bridge that a lot of people don't know how to step onto because they're lost in their own thoughts and their own fears and their own anxiety. Um, and it's wholly important in our, the world in which we live now, as you, you stated with the, the, you know, the oversaturation of technology and everything else that takes us away from delinking and disconnecting from people, uh, especially people that can hold you up and support you through these instances. And so I'm excited about working with you, man. Um, you know, what is the, you, you mentioned it, but what is the name of the company? Uh, where can people find out more about what you got going on? Okay, so we're we're a developing company, that's for sure. And, and when I say developing, I'm talking it's me. And and that's honestly some of the that's really the place to start. That single vision, we've changed the world off single vision. So for me, I've got no problem saying that I I don't come with 20 years with a team of all of all uh, military guys when it comes to our shooting. I'm completely dedicated to it. Um, so it's definitely a developing business. We are local. We're in Lake Havasu right now. Um, that's where all my clients are based out of the growth. We discussed a couple options there, which has definitely been in, 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 on my horizon. Definitely want to grow it. What's important to me, Mike, is I just want to grow it in the right way. There's a lot of people out there spinning content that I don't agree with because it's a curriculum not based off of experience. And if Phil Craft does anything, they understand experience. It's, it's what drives everything that they do, which is what makes the company so valuable. So uh, Access Performance is based out of Lake Havasu. And you can find us at www.accessperformance.org. That's our website. Uh, we are it's also AXIS yeah, Performance. Yeah, AXIS Performance.org. Yeah. Uh, and you can also find us on Instagram and Facebook as well. And we're, we're working on expanding our, our social media presence. A, a lot of people get contact there because not everybody can be at the range with me. So we're going to be working on uh, some basic mechanics, some training op stuff, not only from the shooting side, but also from the medical side as well. Our, uh, the Stop the Bleed campaign is relatively new to our community, uh, but I'm involved with that from the beginning. We're going to branch that. We actually we just left an elementary school the other day teaching teachers how to get on board with that. And so we're really going to grow this from several different aspects. So your uh, Instagram, Facebook, it's all Axis Performance? It is, yep. That's Everything's everything's labeled uh, under that name. How do people get in contact with you? They want to email or reach out? Yeah, so if you, if you want to so if you want to contact me directly, uh, everything comes to me. I don't, I don't have anyone else, uh, admin, admin name for me, uh, filtering any of that stuff. So the email is going to be info at accessperformance.org. And again, that's A X I S. Uh, and then my direct number, if, if there's a need, uh, I really value that, that personal contact away from the tech side. I definitely value the conversation. That's 928-486-2373. And again, I'm based in Arizona. Well, awesome, Jay. I, you know, number one, um, it was amazing to hang out with you today. Thanks, brother. Um, awesome seeing course, you man. shoot, seeing you advance, seeing how far you've come. Um, you know, you're you're an exceptional shooter, an exceptional tactician, but also a great medic. I mean, you're teaching people how to use tourniquets uh, when we were selling swag and selling tourniquets after the course was done, um, which shows your level of commitment, but also. You know, the fact that you are an active first responder, um, your experience and what you're, you're doing for your community is only going to, uh, you know, again, like, you know, to beat the word up, transcend, which is a great word to just say you're, you know, it's only going to get better and help more people, which I believe in is the whole purpose of all this. And so uh, I, I appreciate you coming on. And, you know, if you guys are going to reach out, I, 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 you know, advise you based on my experience with Jay, reach out communicate with them, email them, 
uh, check out his website, check out his information, and uh, we look forward to, to working with you and uh, having you on at a later date. Absolutely, we will have we we do have an updated website. It's being it's being built right now. So right now it's it's a little bit of a shell website. It's got it's got our basic info, uh, but stay tuned for some of the changes, some deeper program details, and so forth there. Yeah. So, Mike, I really appreciate it, man. Behind every vision has to come some inspiration, and you've been a huge part of that. You and the Philcraft uh, tribe and family. Thanks, brother. Yeah, we'll we'll see you next time. Until next time, stay alert, stay alive. Thanks, guys.